This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 49 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and joining me this week as ever is Gary. How are you my good man? Yeah I'm not doing too bad at all mate, thank you. Good stuff. You had a good week? Yeah, yeah, it's not been a bad week, like I say. I uh, yeah, I'm not doing too bad at all. Excellent stuff. Well, um, aside from you know, aside from last night's uh, last night's defeat, you, you had a good day. Uh, ben, you've just asked me the same question three times in a row. You keep doing that, I'll give you the same answer. You're better than that. Okay, yeah, that's fair. But uh, anyway, right. That aside, um, <laughs> have have you enjoyed have you enjoyed the week that's been uh, in in terms of Lincoln City? Aside from as I said. Bit of a bit of a dodgy result last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not too bad at all, actually. Although technically, that's almost the same question four times, which is <laughs> over and above the skit that we planned. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we're obviously going to start talking. I think about um, Fleetwood, um, which seems a good place to start because it was the uh, first thing chronologically to happen in the week that mm-hmm. was. Um, and I, do you know what? I actually enjoyed the game and I find it quite odd because a lot of people were saying things to me like it was flat, that we were poor and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I thought it was it was a good game of football in terms of two passing sides. I don't think we played badly. I think Fleetwood played relatively well, but mm. I thought the atmosphere was great. i tell you something, I was, obviously I was up in the press box again this week and the noise from the co-op when you sat opposite it is phenomenal compared to when you sat in it see that's the thing like i i saw i saw the sort of um the couple of bits in question that you were on about um with regard to it being flat and and initially i kind of agreed with it um because i think where i sit is obviously at the back of the stand so unless there's a lot of noise immediately around me i don't get that I don't get the sort of constant swell of noise and atmosphere that's that's going on. Obviously, you hear what's going across, you know, on across to my left in the in the six one seven. But it's like it it did feel a bit flat to me from where I was sat. And then when you said, um, I think I was, I was following your, your your Twitter updates throughout the game when you said, "Oh, there's a constant noise and all the rest of it," I thought, "Really? 
Blimey neck, okay. But then, as you say, if you're sat opposite and you all you can hear is uh, all you can hear is the, mu- uh, the, the music, the, the noise coming from the stand. I think it's uh, you know, well, there was obviously the um, the thing that came up uh, with the that, that footage from the common for the Everton game. The fact that that's you know audible from miles away is uh, is pretty impressive. So, um, but yeah, let, let's talk about Fleetwood. I think you, you're probably. I think I probably agree with you that if you were watching that game as a neutral, it was probably a, a, an enjoyable game to watch. Um, I think it felt very... It, it didn't feel like a Lincoln City performance until we got the two quick goals. And then after that, we started to turn it on a bit. And I think Fleetwood's heads dropped a little bit um, until half time. But overall, I, th- I thought it was a... Yeah, I thought it was a fairly decent game. Um, not really any... Uh, any spots in the in the team where the you know you thought oh they could do better than that or you know they they could have had a better performance I thought it was a, a decent all round game a decent all round performance and um two two decent quick fire goals from from Tyler Walker um uh, the, the first one um uh, you know I, I think fantastic crossfield ball from uh, from Georgie Grant. Toff took one touch and then put the cross in, and then Tyler Walker with a, a really, really good sort of diving header um, into the into the top corner, and the second one again, really impressive uh, vision from Colin, uh, Connolly to send Walker through. Um, and as Danny said in his post match, when he gets one on one with the keeper like that, when he gets behind the defence, he's he's you're not going to catch him, and he's got the. It's got the uh, composure and the the clinical ability to to put that one away. So, um, yeah, obviously everyone came away happy. I just thought the, if I'm honest, I thought the second half kind of fizzled out a little bit. Um, it's always interesting to see when some of the opposition bring their um, their analysis guys or their stats guys to sort of sit in the in the in the press gantry because we're right next to it. So you can have a look across and see what's going on. Um, the guy in there with his uh, with his walkie-talkie was constantly, constantly in Joey Barton's ear, I presume, um, until about 80 minutes in when he just kind of packed his stuff up and, and walked back down, at which point it seemed like they just went, all right, sod it, we're not going to win this, I'm going to go. Um, but yeah, I, I can't really disagree with you. I thought it was a great game for the neutral, so... Um, mm. Yeah. Well, no, not, not, not a great game, not a great game for the neutral, because that would imply end-to-end, chance-to-chance. I think it was a great game for a purist, for people that like to see something planned out tactically and like to see how certain managers make moves in order to combat what their opponent's doing. Um, Not everybody Hmm. likes football in that way. It wouldn't have been as entertaining if it's nil-nil. In order for a purist to enjoy the game as a neutral, I think there needs to be a winner. Um, and if they were the sort of person that studied form, they could have done worse than listen to this podcast or read my blog last week because I said Peter Clark was the defender that they could expose. And it was Clark that Walker got ahead of to put the ball in for the header. And it was Clark that he outpaced um, from the ball over the top to, to put the second away as well. So I, I stand by what I said. I think um, Clark was a liability. And think Walker did very well. In terms of XG, we, we weren't that great, actually, 0.54, um, which is less than half the XG we showed against uh, Doncaster. But we did have uh, less possession than we did against Doncaster as well. This is in the cup, so I know we're going to come on to that. But interestingly, mm-hmm. I always like to have a look at our pass combinations. 
So mm-hmm. which players have linked up most throughout the game? And our top three combinations against Fleetwood were all involving defenders. Erdley to Connolly, okay. so that's right back into the guy playing on the right side of midfield. Boswick to Shackle, so in, in indicating that we were playing more across the back, looking to try and prize open Fleetwood. And uh, Morel to Toffolo. And, and vice versa. When I say Morel to Toffolo, that's passes from Morel to Toffolo and from Toffolo to Morel. So that's the duo. Um, and enough. after that, the next most productive in terms of an attacking player being involved was Toffolo to Grant. So it shows a real clear pattern that a lot of our play, even though we, we probably envisage it goes through the centre, a lot of our play is still very much side to side and then looking to pull the defence left and right and then try and get down any space that we managed to create. Um, and obviously it was Grant Toffolo that made Tyler's goal. Um, and then it was, I mean, the ball from Connolly was exquisite. You know, that's that's the sort of class that an England under-21 international brings when he signs for your team. Yeah, I was, I was really disappointed with Paddy Madden as well. I really expected to see a little bit more from him. Um, big, bustling striker. I, I thought that he would offer the the sort of potency and attack that Southend didn't have against us. To be fair, he didn't. And Chet Evans was awful as well, wasn't he? Which was lovely to see. Um, I think the millennials would say something like, you love to see it. So there you go. <laughs> so yeah, that was Fleetwood. Hey, technically, I'm a millennial, so I'll have less of that. Are you? Yeah, apparently, yeah. Apparently it's anyone... I've got a friend who's a millennial, apparently, according to the uh, the statistics, and he's nearly 40, so no, I, I don't know how, when the cut... How do you work that out? I'm gonna. I'm, this is unscripted. Uh, where is it? Millennial uh, dis- definition. There we go. Um, uh, denoting people reaching adulthood in the early 21st century. Oh so, no, that's bollocks uh, for me. It's people born after the year 2000. Kids. Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, kids. You know, I was going to say you're bloody. You're not a millennial. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> Well, apparently the the period uh, for millennials to be born was 1981 to 1996. So anyone in that period is apparently a millennial. Okay. Well, there we go, readers, listeners, even not readers. You're listening to this, um, and that's and I don't know unless you're you're deaf and you have it um, transcripted for you, which I don't know if we've got anybody like that. But anyway, um, there you go. You now know what a millennial is. Shall we move on to Doncaster? There you go. Yes, we'll move on to Doncaster, which uh, I didn't watch, but I did listen to, and it it just sounded like for the first time this season that the the games really caught up with the players. Um, and although we've got, you know, there's been a bit of squad rotation and a bit of uh, a bit of mixing, matching in terms of the team, I just thought it sounded like they they started to get a bit tired towards the end of it, and it, it caught up with them in a big way. Um, it was nice to see Big John score, but then of course he somehow managed to even it out which led to people losing their minds on social media which is always the way but I mean what can you do but apparently uh, a John Akindi open got open play goal uh, according to the way that people moan about it it should have counted for four so technically we won four three <laughs> yeah I, I kind of I kind of like that I like that and to be honest it was quality I saw somebody um, count it on Twitter as, as Dennis Burkamp-esque which I thought was quite poetic. Might not go that far, but uh, yeah, it was a decent goal. <laughs> yeah, I learned, yeah, I agree with you. The whole tiredness thing is um, was a factor. I, I, I think they they had their full first team out, give or take a couple of players. And to be honest, it it was just um, 
one of those nights. I mean, it wasn't nice. It wasn't pretty to watch. I do think the danger that we've got is if the, if Tyler Walker gets injured, I don't think that John Akindi fits into the method that we play at the moment because I think a lot of what Tyler's doing is darting about, finding the space because he's tall but he's slight as well. I think he moves a bit quicker than John. John's like um, John's like the slow carts or the the big characters on Mario Kart, like Bowser. If you play Mario Kart and you're Bowser from the off, it's like he's crawling. But when you get up to top speed, he's probably the quickest on the game, and that's that's John Akindi. He's like Bowser. There we go. Um, cool. <laughs> and uh, I yeah, I, I think we have a problem if Walker's out. Some interesting stats though came out of um, the Doncaster game that I just wanted to touch mm-hmm. upon. Um, I liked I like the passing relationships, as you know, we've just talked about the ones in South End. Um mm-hmm. and not South End, Fleetwood rather. And of our four most successful passing relationships on Tuesday night, three of them involved Callum Connolly. And that underlines oh, wow. what we've just been saying about how he played at Fleetwood. That was with Anderson, Bolger and Max Melbourne. Now here's something really interesting. As well, it's really interesting for me. Other people might want to skip this bit. Um, but Max Melbourne <laughs> featured in four of the top six passing relationships. So in actual fact, Melbourne okay. slotted in quite nicely in what was really tough circumstances. And that's promising because I saw Melbourne as very much a James Brown figure from last year, um, the kid that signed from Millwall and then didn't get a kick. So um, perhaps that's not the case. And finally, also mm. interesting when you look at challenges one, have one guess of which player from Tuesday night won the most challenges. 47% of the challenges that we made on the field, according to Y Scout. I mean, quickly, people are listening um, to this. Oh. No. John Akindi. Uh, I'll say uh, Kian Bolger. Yep. 43 challenges, which according really? to my scout was 47% of the challenges wow. that we made on the field. John Akindi won. And I think that what that does, it underlines the type of forward that John is. And I'm trying to take some positives out of what was a, a bad night. It was a bad result. It was bad that we had to play these games. But in actual fact, you did see things in certain players. And this is the sort of thing that I'm sure Danny and Nicky will be sitting down to look at. Danny will be hacked off that we lost. We know he is. He, he gets hacked off with his child if he loses at chess. But he will be looking for the positives. He'll be looking for the learning areas, the learning points from the game. <laughs> and I actually think that apart from the penalty, which, you know, that's the danger that you get with Akindi's penalties, I actually think he did really well for himself on Tuesday night. Um, I think he put himself about in, in tough circumstances and got a good goal. Uh, and it, it was, it was nice to see. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, from, from what it sounded like, it just sounded, a sounded like it was a difficult match to, to get into for many reasons. I think, um, I, I think I commented on Twitter that it seemed a little bit like Rob was trying to keep himself awake at certain points in the first half. Um, by all accounts, it certainly sounded like the second half livened up and, and opened up a little bit more. Um, but it's it, it boils down to that sort of the the phrase that Danny used at the end of it, which was you know it's it's, it's one game too far, or as Danny said, it's it's what you know maybe two or three games too far for them at this point um, with the size of the squad that's there and the, uh, the the level of expectation that's been put on the players by. Um, by the EFL, I guess. So, um... yeah, you see, again, that's really interesting this weekend because 
Portsmouth have had their game cancelled this weekend through international uh, call-ups, which if you look at it, there's, there's a few games I think have gone, Sunderland and Burton have gone as well. And the rule is that if you have three players uh, or more called up to an international for international duty, you have the option of cancelling the game. Now, I don't think that's a particularly fair rule because Sunderland, let's say, have the option of cancelling the game because they've got three players called up from a squad of, what, 30? Mm. Yet here we are on a squad of 2021. I haven't, I haven't totted up recently. We have two called up and we can't cancel the game. Now, Portsmouth, this is really, this, this is interesting. So don't fast forward past this bit. There's a report <laughs> in the Portsmouth news today where Kenny Jacket says that when he had his three call ups, he wasn't going to cancel the game. But because Marcus Harness has since been injured, He's decided that he will cancel the game using the three international call-up rule. Now, for me, that is just another example of the rule creating an unlevel playing field because Jacket hasn't cancelled it for the international call-ups. No. And to, he shouldn't have said it. He should have just gone, yes, we've cancelled it for the international call-ups. He's being honest. I don't like Kenny Jacket. I think he plays dour football at Portsmouth, which is probably better for us. But we've, we've got two called up. We might lose, let's say, Bozzy, I think, from the press conference today. We've already got Tom Pett, Ben Coker and Lee Frecklington out and we can't call the game off. And mm. Portsmouth have now, because Portsmouth were due to play Berry in two weeks' time, they've actually got two weeks off. So perhaps that works against them in terms of rustiness. They'll fall further behind because they're 17th already. Realistically, they could be second bottom by the time they, they come to play their next game. And I think they've only played something like four games because I think they've already cancelled one as well. So they might have played five, but they've already cancelled one because some sort of event was going off in Portsmouth. And it's just... It's ridiculous. I, I was shocked because I wrote an article about a League Two club earlier for Football League World. And when I looked down it, every team's played six games. And you look down our division and Danny's right. We've played 10 games in 35 days and, and Portsmouth aren't going to play in half that time. It's, it's ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's it's really hard to to say it without it sounding like you're making it an excuse and you, you know, you, you're just whinging for the sake of it. But then when you actually take a few minutes to, like you just said, sit down and look at it and go, hang on a minute. How is it that this is allowed to happen? It's, it's crazy. Well, it's um, like it, look at Ipswich. Ipswich manager, Paul Lambert was calling the EFL a tro uh, trophy, a pointless competition that he shouldn't have to play in moaning about the fixtures. But I think he made something like nine changes and the only changes he didn't make were because he, he couldn't because of the rules. Yet Jordan Roberts came in and scored a brace. They had a kid up top from the under-18s, an Albanian lad whose name escapes me at the moment, but it's they used some sort of abracadabra pun, so it's something like Dobro or something like that. He played, <laughs> did really well. John Nolan got the first game of the season. And for me, the EFL trophy should be very much like reserve football, but they've got to look at it. They've got to look at it. Mm. I've been trying to think of an alternative method and the only thing that I can think is that the under twenty one teams that are in your group play their matches as part of your preseason build up. And in your preseason build up, within those under twenty one matches, you're allowed to field X number of trialists or something like that. So that the un because we played under twenty one teams in the in the summer, didn't we? We played uh, Forest under twenty ones. And I think if you look at it, most teams did. So realistically mm. You could get one or two of the league games played by putting the under-21s or the teams into a pre-season friendly and get the groups played that way. You could even, and I've, I'm yet to do the maths, I even thought about a three-team group 
whereby the only game that's played in good in gate in uh, season time is between the two league clubs in the three team group and then if you get knocked out fair enough you, you then only have one game in the trophy but if you progress you progress to another three team group and that way the under 21 teams would all get a minimum of four games um but again, I'm going to thrash it out for an article, but it's just something's got to be done. Something's got to be done. Yeah, I mean, to me, the, the obvious, um, not solution, but one of the obvious things to possibly do is try maybe move the, or shift the structure somehow in the uh, in the trophy, move it to a little bit further down in the season because front-loading this many games, it's, it is ludicrous. Absolutely crazy. But the, the problem like I said, got, I, sorry, go on. I was going to say, like, I don't want to sit here and say, well, the reason that we've not, you know, the reason we've not done well is because we've got too many games. So, well, it's partly that. But like you said, it's also the fact that other teams in the division aren't playing anywhere near as many games at the moment. And it, we, we'll catch up with them later in the season, no doubt, you know, when, we've, when they've got a big fixture stack up close to, you know, in the middle of December or, you know, start of January when it's freezing cold outside and they've got to play Tuesday night. It's, it's one of those, but. Yeah, to me, it's just it's absolutely ridiculous. You've got it spot on. But then he's still weighted against the smaller teams. The reason that they don't want to play the trophy games later in the year, like December, November, is because you might lose those fixtures if you're away at Newport who have got a notoriously bad pitch or a smaller club might might struggle to, to put those fixtures on in adverse weather. Whereas the likes of Sunderland and, and Portsmouth have probably got more scope to play in midweek because they've got some more staff to work around the safety aspect of the stadium. They can certainly their pitch are in much better condition so they're less likely to lose the games so in actual fact having these breaks at this stage of the season doesn't particularly work against the bigger clubs unless they're losing away games um, and obviously the fact is losing the Berry game is is kind of a, a bonus in itself in a way I think we're due to play them in November so we're actually going to get a break in November but then remember because of things like cancellations and FA Cup second round and all that, you probably get a free week in December as well if you go out of the FA Cup. So, do you know what? It's, I, I just think it could be worked better. I think they've got to look at making, if you're going to have under 21 teams in, you've got to look at making that part of the pre season uh, and making it a warm up game and being fairer on clubs. And and I know that this, league, this division this season is. Uh, is a little bit different because of Berry and because of Bolton. But for me, they've got to throw the book at Bolton of cancelling that Doncaster game as well, because Doncaster were oh, able to play their entire first team, more or less. So for me, I think that should be another six-point deduction, six points for the Brentford game as well. And Bolton fans might think that that's being harsh, but they've signed Daryl Murphy and Liam Bridcut, for God's sake. These are championship players. So what they're doing, mm. they're, they've cheated. They would have lost 5-0 to Doncaster, and when that game's rearranged, they'll be a competitive side. And it's bang out of order. Yeah. Yeah, Doncaster. Well, it's, it's what we said on the podcast at the time, isn't it? We we, yeah. we basically said that at the time. You know, they've clearly cancelled it now so that they can rebuild the squad, and then uh, you know, when it comes to it, they can play it. And they signed what was it? Ten players on deadline day. Signed nine. Signed nine players. Nine. They yeah. signed a Belgian under twenty-one international on loan from Stoke. Like I say, I mean, Liam Bridcut was a one million pound midfielder. He's been at Forest. I would like to have seen Bridcut come and play in, in our holding role because he's class. Okay, Daryl Murphy's thirty-four, thirty-five, but you land the ball on his head, he's going to bring it down. And yeah, I don't begrudge Bolton the success. But the, and I said that it wasn't the EFL's fault that Bolt, uh, Berry went to the wall. It was the EFL's fault that we kicked off this season with teams cancelling games. And they've got to make an example of them, them cancelling the Doncaster game. 
They really have. Yeah. But, you know, the best thing that they could do, and this really pains me to say it, is award the game to Doncaster 3 now. And... Th- yeah. But, again, it would... Uh, then, if if you're the team that finished behind Doncaster, if we're seventh and Doncaster finished sixth and they do win by two points, then you... There's all sorts of issues come the end of the season. I think we've covered it already. There are all sorts of issues. You know, what if Tranmere stay up on goal difference, having beaten Bolton 5-0 and the team that get relegated had to play the good Bolton? There's legal challenges to be had and all sorts. It's a mess, absolute mess. Yeah, and it's just... Uh, well, we'll see how the season plays out in terms of uh, in terms of Bolton. I think it's... Personally, I think they, they might be a bit too far gone to... You know, to, to survive. I know that they've got some decent players in now, but I think particularly if the FL do give them another points deduction, which I think is only the right thing to do, I can't see too much going on. But anyway, um, we'll 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 move on to the uh, the transfer window as we've sort of hinted at. Bolton signed nine on deadline day. We bought in ten players overall, um, and I think it's a good one. I think it's been a pretty decent transfer window for us. Um, what about uh, what about yourself? I mean, obviously, the, I can pretty much guess where your highlight's going to be in terms of uh, you know the, the best signing that you think we've made over the over the window. Um, but I, I'd like to see what your thoughts are on some of the other players that we brought in because I I don't think we've really brought in any what you'd probably class as not quite Deadwood, but you know one of those players where you think okay, well they're going to be maybe maybe we can see them in. In a in in a role at some point potentially, with the exception of Alex Bradley, I think it's um, I think it's a, been a fairly fairly strong lineup of players that have come in. Yeah, I'm not going to focus too much on the players that came in before the podcast last week. So I'm not going to focus on George Grant, Jack Payne, players like that because we've spoken about them. We you know we've we've covered it. We know that bringing everyone in was good. Um, you touched on Alex Bradley there. Interestingly enough, I think that that was a groundbreaking transfer for us because that was mm. the first time that somebody has impressed Danny enough to bring him in when he wasn't going to play first team football. And that, that was a watershed moment. Um, mm. So again, I think he was a good signing. Uh, I'm going to concentrate on the three that we signed last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with Max Melbourne, I think that the stats that we covered earlier with Doncaster suggest, suggest that perhaps he's going to be a a bit more than James Brown. Will he get league action? Mm, questionable. I think that depends on Har- Harry Toffolo's fitness in the latter stages of a game and how quickly Ben Coker gets fit. I do think Melbourne is probably the one player who's been brought in as cover. I'm not going to call him underwhelming. That would be a massive injustice. Um, very surprised to see a left-back come in, but I think Danny's thinking probably as if, if Toff gets crocked next week, who plays left-back? So he had to bring somebody in. Um, I think uh, Jake Hesketh was a very, very interesting signing, one that kind of took me by surprise. Apparently, everybody knew that there was somebody coming in from Southampton over the weekend, and it was the first time that I think everybody got the jump on me. Um, it was one of the few that the club didn't give me a heads up on so that I could get an article done. So I'm there, you know, beavering away, and all of a sudden, Jake Hesketh signed. It's like, wow. Um, I mean, this is a kid that, you know, that came through at Southampton and, and they thought was going to be the next big thing. And when you think that this is mm. a team that brought Gareth Bale, Theo Walcott uh, and Niall Ranger into into the world, um, that's really saying something, isn't it? So 
Mm. Yeah, quite quite excited about Hesketh. Lots of misconception about his position. Um, obviously, I think the Echo on the official club site had him coming in as a midfielder. I kind of looked on what's mm-hmm. on Y Scout and mm, he's not. And then I got a text from somebody, let's say somebody important, uh, just saying, Gary, just to point <laughs> out, uh, Jake Hesketh's not a midfielder. He's never really played midfield. He's a winger and he plays nine and ten. So, uh, yeah, that's exactly what we needed. Okay. Um, because yeah. of, you know, if Jack Payne gets injured, we we were stuffed again. Payne and 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 Walker are obviously integral to what we do. Hesketh will probably play the Payne role for a while. Um, and then of the three that we signed last week, for me, Callum Connolly is the big one. Uh, we signed Joe Morrell, and I was incredibly impressed. He's gone on to be a Wales international or, or called up to the Wales squad while he's with us. Um, great footballer, really good on the ball, really good engine. From what I've seen and heard of Callum Connolly, I think he's going to be every bit as good, if not if not a bit better. Um, and the energy that those two players will give us in front of a defence that, let's be honest, lacks pace in the middle, uh, I think is is perfect. I, I, to be honest, I think the three that we brought in combined probably make it a virtually perfect transfer window, bar the obvious cover at number nine. Mm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't... Uh... I wouldn't want to disagree with you on that one. I think it's um, it's been a an exciting one, and particularly when you look at um, you look at the, the places that these players are coming from. You know, we've obviously signed um, Hesketh from Southampton. We've signed Connolly from Everton. It's like three or four years ago, Lincoln were were more or less exclusively signing players from non league clubs. And you know, what three or four years ago, I suppose we were a non league club, but you know, we, we were purposely going down into the um, into the, the, the National League North and South and and bringing players from, I don't want to say beneath us because that sounds really arrogant, but we're, we're picking players from teams underneath us in the pyramid to all of a sudden now we're going, okay, well, we're an established club now. We, we, we know that we've got the management that can nurture young talent. Can we, would you trust us with like, some of your young talent to come on board with us? We can develop them while you're, you know, well, you've still got them under your wing and then maybe at some point we might be able to sign them permanently. Who knows? It's just been looking at that level of where we're picking players up from now. It's just, it's unbelievable really. Um, and it, it doesn't seem like, it doesn't look to me like we've got that many in terms of, well, like I said earlier, it's, it, there doesn't seem to be a bad option um, that we've picked up in this window. So very exciting times. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> shall we? Shall we move on to previewing the weekend, or do we want to talk a little bit more about the press conference? Because a uh, little bit of inside baseball. Um, we started recording this yesterday on Wednesday, and we had some real problems with our uh, site that we use to record things through. So we've picked this up on Thursday, which means we can actually record the podcast after the press conference, which is something that we don't normally get to do. Um, do you want to go into the press conference at all a little bit with Charlie in the background? Um, well, it's up to you if you want to talk about the press conference. I, to be honest, the only thing that is in the press conference that's really of any note is probably the speculation um, about uh, Danny's future, where he's more or less said uh, he doesn't believe some of the stuff he reads at times when the cat- people speak categorically. Uh, and they were talking about Lincoln fans as well, that they're in the know, you know, people who put things like uh, they're going done deal 
or uh, even journalists for I'd say reputable papers, but it's, it's the Daily Mail um, mm. saying things like they're in talks with Sheffield Wednesday, and and he says the truth is often stranger or the further you know he's often miles away from what they print. So that's really what came out of the press conference, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, there was something yesterday that just it, it made me laugh. It was retweeted into my timeline, and it was. Uh, I don't know if this was a male journalist or, or whatever, but it was where somebody... Oh, no, that wasn't it. That was it. It was a somebody, the manager of... Um, Works Up Town. That's the one, yeah. Works Up Town's uh, manager kind of posted, oh, well, I've got a very good source, um, really strong source that... Uh, that it's a done deal. It's three year contract. They're they're going to be at the at uh, in Sheffield tomorrow to finalise the contract and all this that the other. And I thought, oh for God's sake, give it a rest. And then of course, within three tweets, he'd gone, oh, it's like ticket uh, ticket office manager strong. So it's like right. So it's clearly bullshit because you wouldn't out a source like that in uh, in a way that you are doing. It's it's crazy. But yeah, I, I think I, I don't really know what else needs to be said in terms of nothing's answers it's nothing it's crazy nothing more needs to be said we don't we to be honest we've paid it a little bit of lip service here because i suppose we have to and it's not worth talking about it's really not and that's not to say definitely wouldn't happen but until we until something develops what is the point Mm. and what do these people get from coming on and saying things like it's definitely going to happen. I've got, you know, this is done. They've already spoken to him. And these are the thing is the way that some of these people work. And I said, I wasn't going to lash out at social media on, on the podcast and I'm, I've lasted a couple of weeks. So <laughs> but some of these people will come on and they'll say something relatively ambiguous. So, uh, well, I know they've already spoken to Sheffield Wednesday because <laughs> told me the kit manager told me the kit manager's nephew's cat's vet told me or whatever. And then when it doesn't happen, it'll be like, oh, football's a fast-moving game. They definitely went and spoke. Obviously, something's happened to change it. And they pretend like they're in the know. They're the same people that said that Ricky Miller was going to sign. It's the same people that said Alex Woodyard had, um, was a snake in the grass. It's the same people that have said that uh, John Akindi was going to go on loan to Salford. It's, do you know what I mean? And it's it pisses me off, man. I'm sorry. It absolutely winds me up. And it's got to a point now where basically if I see something that, that I would just call as bull – just block them. And I know it cuts down on my own readership and I, I respect people's opinions. But I do not respect people that go online and say things that are blatantly either not true or, or something, like that, something like that, because I, I, it's not an opinion and I don't respect people that just stir it. And then when they come back on and go, this is a banter site. What, so what? So, so it's what? So it's a place where you can basically just be a dick. We used to have places like that. It was called the pub. And when you were a dick, somebody punched you in the teeth. <laughs> now you sit at your desk and you flash away on the keyboard and you're, oh, it's a banter side and you can start being rude to people. No, I just, you know, it just, I, I, pff, words fail me. We've already spoken about it too much. Yeah, we really have. absolutely. We'll, we'll move on. Um, so let's preview Wiccan. Uh, it's uh, it's a return of the, uh, the the first fixture that we had back in the uh, in the football league. Um, I think it's fair to say things are a little bit different now. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting game, isn't it? I know we've we've got uh, we've got Ryan Orsop to say hello to at the weekend. Um, obviously, a great servant. Oh, by the way, before I do say that, actually, I just want to give. Um, I just want to give really good, really big credit to uh, to Matt Jilks as well, who was 
you know, at the end of the game, he came over to our fans, he applauded our fans, and he, you know, he was really, really gracious in defeat. And I think he was just trying to get across how grateful he was for the time he had at, at Sinsel Bank. And I think uh, it showed a lot of class um, with with jokes at the weekend. But um, yes, we'll come on to uh, to Wickham. Um, they seem like it, it seems to me a little bit like they're. they're Getting a bit stronger uh, in, in you know with the set pieces and winning aerial you know aerial battles and things like that, which you're going to do when you have somebody like uh, Bayouac and Fenwick in your team. Um, where do you think we're going to be able to to sort of break them down, and, and how do you think it's going to go? If we were playing pointless, Ben, and you know I love doing this every week, uh, <laughs> when you start talking about aerial balls and uh, set pieces into Akin Fen where something would flash massively above your head because Wickham have changed and they've changed quite significantly. They still have Akin Fenwa as a focal point in their attack, but to say that they would go long to Akin Fenwa um, is now simply not true. I went back over... Uh, the long pass statistics over their last four games. And they've played Wimbledon, Southend, Fleetwood uh, and MK Dons in their opening fixtures. And against Wimbledon, uh, they played fewer long passes into Akinfenwa than Wimbledon did into Joe Piggott. Against Southend, and this is a real surprise, they played fewer long passes as a team overall than Southend did. And against Fleetwood and MK, they were they played more or less the same. Fleetwood and MK, I think, played slightly fewer, but it was only one or two. And they only played 44 long passes against Fleetwood, which actually isn't an awful, which is a, a, a relatively low number, to be fair. So they're not just long ball. Um, they're playing a 4-3-3. Akin Fenma really is the focal point, And the danger comes from the two wide forwards. Um, that is David Wheeler at the moment, who made his name at Exeter City. He was on loan at... Portsmouth and MK Dons last year uh, from QPR was released and picked up by by Gareth Ainsworth and Scott Cashkit, who is a striker who I picked up in the summer that I'd actually quite like to have seen us take a punt on his young lad. Uh, he struggled with injury, but he's he's a good centre forward, a good forward. He plays, I think, on the right of the the attack. And now they've just signed Roland Aaron's as well, which is a phenomenal signing. It's probably better than our signing a Callum. Uh, Connolly, uh, Aaron's has played for Newcastle. He was on loan at Sheffield Wednesday uh, last mm. season. Um, did really, really well, and it, it, it's a really, really surprise signing. Um, they build up quite patiently. They've got the option to go long. Don't get me wrong, and we've like we have got the option to go long to Tyler Walker, but they don't always take it. They've got a lad called Patterson in the middle, who's in the top five. Um, in the division for playing through balls. So they're really looking to get those wide forwards into the channels as well. So it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, it's going to be a tough game. What I like about the 4-3-3 when, when somebody plays against us in that is that it, it does force the game open a little bit because we're playing the two wide wingers. And their midfielders, have uh, obviously, if they've got uh, technically three in the centre of midfield, they're kind of overnumbered. But as soon as you start spreading the play, if the midfielders get drawn out into uh, into our wingers to take in, trying to deal with our wingers, depending on how far back they are, and obviously with us overlapping on the um, on the wide as well, it could leave us with more in midfield than them because we've got obviously Connolly and uh, probably me, Michael O'Connor, in the centre of the park. So I actually think it's going to be quite an open game, and I can see goals from a for both sides. Um, what I would say is 
again, looking at the stats, Akin Fenrir is fourth in the division for expected goals and assists. So he's getting into positions where he's expected to either assist a goal or score a goal. And he's the fourth best at that in our division. George Grant is the fourth best in the division for actual goals and assists, which is quite interesting because he's actually scoring the goals. Hmm. And then on the other hand, uh, you've got uh, Jacobson, who's, uh, I think, a fullback of theirs. He's second in the division for expected assists. So the balls that he are putting in are expected to assist a goal. George Grant is second for actual assists. So I think it's particularly good. It's an interesting, interesting fixture. And I think if we go there and get a draw, I think it would be a very good result. But I do think it's a winnable game as well. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think that's you know pretty pretty accurately summed up. I think it's it's a game that I wouldn't be disappointed if we if we took a point from. Um, but then I think there's probably quite a few of those in this league this season. Um, like us, like I think we've said before, I, it's it's whether we would be happy or you know whether we'd expect to finish above or below the, the team that we're playing come the end of the season. Um, I think Wickham are going to be sort of around not necessarily around the the, the top six but I, th- I think they'll be they'll be up there um and I think it's like you say it's going to be a really interesting game um we'll have to see uh, to see what happens but uh you see I, I I didn't call Wickham early doors as one of the promotion favorites it's only since the beginning of the season and 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 kind of looking at their stats and some of their clips that I thought actually this is a real stark change and there's a lot of similarities between us and Wickham I think in that respect because um you know Gareth Ainsworth and Danny Cowley both know what needs to be done to win but I think deep down they want to play a certain style of football that they couldn't get away with in League Two because they didn't have the players and because they knew that you had to go in for a fight. And let's face it, Wickham were worse than us. And they still get a lot. I mean, Adam Fen- Akin Fenman's got more touches in the box than anybody else in League One this season. So they're still getting the ball into him, be it to his feet, be it to his body, and he can bring it down and they can play off him. So how we deal with him is going to be interesting. In terms of XG stats as well, they've got a slightly higher expected goals than we have, 185 to our 178, but they've also got a slightly higher expected goals against 147 to 1.22. Both of those numbers to me suggest uh, if you're a betting person for a both team to score, I, I really truly believe that, especially if it's Bolger and Shackle. Because I think Bozzy, if Bozzy's fit, is probably a little bit more rugged than Bolger. I think Bolger's good in the air, but he's a little bit he's a little bit slight. And I think to, to fight off Akin Fenwer, you know, if you're going to fight a bear, what better way to do it than than fight a bear against a bear? And I don't mm. think that um, Bolger is a bear, but I do think that Bozzy is. So Bozzy's a bear, and John Akindi is Bowser from Mario Kart. <laughs> there we go. We've got a bear and a dinosaur. Yeah. Is that what the... Bowser is? Yeah, he's. A... What do you think he is? I don't know. I never really. I don't actually play as Bowser because I, I I can't get on with it. To be <laughs> honest, he's a dinosaur that shoots fire. Okay. Oh, that's not Johnny Kendi, is it? Well, I mean, he's built like Johnny Kendi's not done. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't got a spiky back though. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've not seen John Akindi's back. So, you know, he might have spikes on it. Who knows? That's amazing. 
Um, but yeah, that, I think it'll be interesting. Another really interesting thing is the Stacey West, and I, I talk about us as a collective, uh, but the Stacey West website uh, is going to be speaking to Ian Holloway at Wickham this weekend. Oh, excellent. Um, through Quest TV. So we might have some Ian Holloway quotes for the podcast next week because Jake is going to go and do it for me. Because Good stuff. Uh, I don't want to talk to Ian Holloway. <laughs> I like Holloway, but he needs to stay away from politics. Um, uh, no, I don't. I, I, yeah, we all need to stay away from politics because it's broken. So. Yeah. We're also going to talk to... Given some, uh, some of the interactions I've had this week, but there we go. Yeah, don't. Uh, we're also going to talk to Sam Saunders, who used to play for Wickham as well. So we're going to hopefully have a bit from them over the weekend. Excellent stuff. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I, that is a surprise to me. I genuinely didn't know about that until uh, until that. So, yeah, looking forward to hearing that. Um, right, so then the the thing that we normally do is forget that we've got a game the following Tuesday, but I'm fairly glad tonight that we don't have to forget about that because we don't have one next Tuesday, so we can all have a break for a week. <sighs> Danny, will be, Danny will be delighted, won't he? Yeah. I did and have to Rob will, it. because Rob... Sorry, go on. As I say, I did have to chuckle at his comment in the press, uh, in the press conference where he said, uh, if we got another international, then we can all go to Dubai for a week. Yeah, like I quite liked something he said in the press conference the other week. What did he say in the press conference the other week? The leasing.com trophy. Do you know what he said? He said it's a competition we've not played in before, so we want to do well in it. <laughs> Brilliant. You see, that that for me, that is the sort of subtle humour that really appeals to me. It was in the post-match presser from Fleetwood and Terry just looked at me and, and kind of raised an eyebrow a little bit. Thought yeah, I thought it was very, very funny. Very funny. Yeah, that's indeed. good. I like that. So uh right, okay. I was probably gonna to gonna do is is there anything that um we've missed or anything you feel that you need to plug this week? Oh, I can't think, Ben. I can't think. It's it, it's been a protracted uh, and drawn out affair this week, hasn't it? Over twenty four hours with technical glitches and your voice speeding up and slowing down and, and my dog being an arsehole. It's just it's it, <laughs> It's tired me out then, and, and I need a week off. I need a week off from the podcast. <laughs> well, you might have a little bit less than a week off because we're going to record this again on Wednesday night next week. So, cool. buy, buy my things. You know my things that I sell on Amazon. Buy those. That's 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 my advice. Yes, buy all of Gary's things. Um, yeah. And I've not really got anything to plug this week because I've just been relaxing. Uh, my week. Okay, yeah, buy Gary's stuff. There you go. We'll plug that as well. Um, cool. Right. Well, I think that's uh, a decent spot to leave it. We will see you guys next Thursday. Apologies again that this is late, but turns out websites can be crap sometimes. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next Thursday. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Au revoir. around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.